0: School each Sunday night. I'd watch the practice with none of my friends.
1: remember when that was a good thing? Out of best time to buy a used car, best time to be led by a used car salesman. <laughs> what? Out of Keith, that's that biting political commentary you come to this podcast for right there.
0: Oh, and what podcast is that? This is the Out of Practice Podcast, working week by week, episode by episode, through David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice. This week, we are up to season three, episode 17, entitled Target Practice. Ooh. So, uh, how's it going?
1: Pretty good. A funny story I'd like to share with our friends. We were at a, a, a colleague, a colleague, oh, God oh man (laughs) Uh, we went to a dear friend of ours house yesterday for uh, a little who apparently
0: mike thinks of as a colleague now. i don't know why i said that i really don't know anyway so let me ask you a question before you get into your story so uh we've been colleagues for you know neon 15 15 years at least yeah something like that 18 years uh, are we friends or are we colleagues? I refer to you as my buddy, my buddy Keith. Okay, so not quite friend. <laughs> no,
1: buddy for me is big. I also call strangers buddy. So you're either like it, f- it, the friend buddy or a stranger buddy.
0: Well, it's it, it's sort of a sort of a friend and sort of a uh, working really hard to make sure that people don't think that we're hooking up. Like you know, he's my friend, but like in a straight way, dude. Well,
1: we've told the story ad nauseum, but there was a time. There was a time in life where I abruptly moved into Keith's apartment, and we started making out on stage together. We did uh, in front of our parents. So let's just leave that there. Actually, I just want to leave that.
0: <laughs> Anyways, we, so we teased that so many times and never <laughs> explained it. I love it. I know. We so we have
1: this a dear friend. They bought a new house in in New Jersey, so we drove out there. Um. Ooh, nice.
0: It was fun. We had a great We're time. We're in New Jersey. Um. Shit. Midland Park, I think. Okay. okay, sounds like a nice place for a you know a business contact to yeah, uh, live. It,
1: that's just w- w- a sign. I happen to remember. I'm highly doubtful that's where they live, but that's the sign. They that...
0: uh, they live on the new New Jersey Turnpike. Yes,
1: it's about forty five minutes. Anyway, my wife, who somehow for some reason has become really proud of the work we do on this podcast, and. <laughs>
0: like oh, no. it's now
1: like playing it for people to like get them to listen. I was like, you it, it's not really something if you're not looking for it that you want to listen to. It's really for a specific <laughs> audience. I try to like talk down the podcast every time she plays it for someone. It's very bespoke. Yes, they're perfect. So I should be <laughs> That's not even the point of the story. That's just an aside. However, she starts from the 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 theme song cuz she thinks that's the catchiest part and she's not wrong anyway we get to the verse where i sing or no the first harmony i sing and she says right. she's like yeah she's like you know they don't like try so hard she's like like mike you you're totally like singing this badly on purpose right and i was just <laughs> like <laughs> oh, no <laughs> now you know my wife and you know that she's not one to throw some disper- some disparaging remarks around and oh she was, said it was such sincerity, and I was like, "Honey, do you is that? Do you think I am so I am so honed to my craft that I was like I should like not try so hard and really shitify <laughs> this vocal?" And then I was like, "Actually, I walked into Keith's apartment too early in the day. I had never seen what I was singing. I we just did it in one take, and it was what it was. He would just put it low in the mix, and he would scream loud in the vocal. That's how we do things." <laughs> but anyway, my wife told me I sound shitty, so
0: there you go. Wow, wow. So we have to, for season four, we have to recut it. Alright, we can recut it. Uh, My favorite uh, question like that came from my mother, and she had just seen, I don't know if it was like a reading of something I'd written, or maybe it was a song that I played for her, or whatever, and it it was a comedy. And she looked at me so sincerely after hearing it, she's like, Oh, did you mean for that to be funny? Oh, <laughs> and I think she was like, "It was funny. Did you mean to do that on purpose?" Mm. Because not we, know, we all know Keith. You're generally,
1: you're not a comedian, so uh, no comedian. No, but uh, yeah, it was like, wow, wow. So I'm going to briefly state real quickly that before we even get the show started, I don't have a This Day in the Basement today. I just can't think of anything. We talked about most of what was happening in March last last week. I was in rehearsals for Joseph and such. So I want to, at the top, take my few seconds of from in the basement, which will still roll because I want to hear what you were up to. But I want to pose a question to you, completely out
0: of context to our listeners. Okay. What I'm ha- still going to hold you to this day in the basement. Oh yeah, I but, uh, but but I'm but I'm going to ask you a question that will trigger that. Perfect. How's the mouse? How's the oatmeal? I have to know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that was just uh, so to fill in everyone who wasn't the two of us colleagues here <laughs> um, last week. Uh, I did a table read of a new show that I'm working on. It was just literally just to hear it out loud with a couple of buddies. So Mike and Jen came over to my house and we were reading the show and ding dong, right in the middle of act one, uh, an exterminator comes. Now we have been trying to get exterminator. Yeah. Uh we've been here for about two and a half years and there's a mouse that keeps running through the house. And so we have been asking for our landlord to bring an exterminator for uh, pretty much two and a half years. And it has gotten so bad that the people who live below us stopped paying rent until the exterminator came anyway. So in all of the two and a half years, when does the exterminator come? Well, when Mike and Jen are there and we are reading my show, trying to get a running time, etc. So in walks this old lady with like this like plastic bag. She comes and she just yanks our stove right out of the wall and then fills three plastic cups full of, I'm assuming, poisoned oatmeal. And <laughs> throws it behind the the, uh, the stove and then leaves and meanwhile, Mike and Jen are just sitting there questioning all of their life choices. Anyway,
1: so did you kill the mouse? That's really what I was asking.
0: Well, I I mean, I don't know. Have, you, haven't have seen you seen it? it? Okay. We have not seen it. For me, in my heart of hearts, I don't want to kill the mouse. The mouse was mm. kind of cute. And, you know, since Jillian cleans up all of its poops... I don't, it doesn't affect me at all, except for I have a cute thing in the house. The time to say that would have been when some random woman
1: put down three bags of poisonous oatmeal under your stove. <laughs>
0: oh, nobody had any say in that. Yeah, That, that's true. This, th- that was a like, this is just going to happen. You just let it go. We'll talk about it later. Um, more importantly, what is this podcast about? I'm sorry. I really should have thought, should have known that would derail us. <laughs> Wait, what would possibly rail us? What could, what could possibly get us on track, you think? Uh, Judge Kittleson? Judge? Yeah, no, Judge She'd Kittleson. She'd rail us. She, <laughs> she would. She would indeed. All right. Well, we are here talking about the practice. But before that, we have some... Filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. So we got a comment from our uh, good friend and supporter, Leanne writes, who uh, actually commented on one of the photos from an old episode, Trees in the Forest, because I believe Leanne is slowly working her way through our 90 hours of uh, podcasts and we- weekly, she <clears throat> weekly and it is actually entirely appropriate to what we were just talking about. Can you believe that? She says, in this episode, uh, Rebecca does that amazing speech about how much she hates rats after she stomped on the rats. And so Leanne writes, writes, infinite spare tires for Rebecca's diatribe about rats. So look at that. Rebecca needs an exterminator. We have an exterminator. Maybe Rebecca just needs some poisoned oatmeal. She needs a uh, love
1: interest, actually. I could see Rebecca getting it. it's time. It's time to move the romance around
0: a little bit. I think. Absolutely. I mean, I know that Jimmy is with uh with with Judge Kittleson now, but like I would I think that would be fun. Although she's, how do I say this delicately? Uh, they uh they're in different categories of attractiveness.
1: Mm. Well, I won't <clears> even <throat> touch that with a ten foot pole. But what I would. <laughs> What I will say is that, you know, as we've discussed last week, I still am under the belief that her interest in Jimmy is thoroughly in the camp of getting closer to Bobby.
0: Well, yeah, she is a creepy stalker, at least in that one scene. Uh, Yeah. And I should also point out that clearly uh, us and our wives are also in different categories of attractiveness. We, We mention that every week or two. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and we also heard, uh, I posted the screenshot of all of the, uh, salaries of the, uh, of the team members with all the mistakes on it. And I just said, like, can you name all the mistakes? And, uh, and Kith, and Kithanov, and Kithanov probably wrote one, Lucy was a receptionist. She, uh, like he or mm. she also caught mainstream, but I thought this was interesting. Said that uh I think Lucy is listed as a paralegal on the spreadsheet and points out that she's a receptionist. And I I wonder is what is Lucy's job? Have we seen her do any paralegal work? Well, no. I'm just trying to knew that Rebecca was that for sure. Rebecca definitely did that before she became a lawyer. Well,
1: I'll say this. I think it's fair to assume that when they were replacing Rebecca, they were looking for a paralegal to fill in those gaps. However, the only thing we ever
0: officially saw her trained on was the phone system. That's right. So also, I don't know what kind of degree or training you need to be a paralegal. And it seems like Lucy is like just out of high school. He also, if I remember,
1: uh, Eugene's son, when Eugene was talking to, when his son was like, actually, this comes up a little bit later, because this was mentioned in the previously on this week. Yes. Uh, Eugene's son, you know, he's like, oh, Lucy's hot. And, And Eugene says, he says, Eugene says to his son, you're quite a bit, she's quite a bit older than you. So if you figure the son's what, 12, 13 years old. He's 11. Right. I think what I'm saying is I think Lucy reads a little younger than she is supposed to be on the show. I think they said she was 19. Really? Yeah. Dating a, a professional basketball player? Go her.
0: Yeah, which, I mean, to be fair, the basketball player might be 20, 21. Yeah, that's a good point, buddy. Uh, anyway, uh, thanks for writing in with your filings and subpoenas. You can do that by reaching us on our facebook or instagram at out of practice podcast or you can just reach out directly at out of practice podcast at gmail.com
1: in fact our
0: viewership is so little that you might as well
1: just call keith on his cell phone at this point (laughs) might just come over
0: (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah because you know look everybody who listens to this podcast could fit into my one-bedroom, one-and-a-half-bedroom apartment. I mean, not comfortably, yeah. but they could technically all fit. <laughs> all right, what else? What else? Next let's time go, we do a, do a table read. All right. We're doing this in under uh, 20 we... minutes. We're doing it. Oh, well, no. yeah, good luck with that. Not a chance. If you would like to join the jury, you can leave us a rating, or review on Apple Podcasts or any other review service if you just let us know to look for it. All right. That brings us Up to the time which we jump back into the time machine. Wow, that was a torture sentence. Wow. I I would convict myself on torture for that sentence. Because it's one of those ones where I start it with an idea and then have to sort of fold in another idea idea while I'm talking. Oh, So professional. Alright, we're jumping into the time machine. Back to March 7th, 1999. Which brings us to the question, what was going on? This day in the basement. Now, you tried to wriggle out of this day in the basement. I did. But you are not going to. Okay. But I have a question that's going to trigger that. Okay. So you were in rehearsal mm-hmm. for Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Coat, yes, And you sir. were Joseph, who I- got to wear the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. I did. I want to know... What were your rehearsals like? Where did you rehearse? What was the what was that process like in your high school? Uh, we had a
1: big stage, uh, a, fa- a fairly decent performing arts center, I would I would call it. So you uh, had an actual theater, not like a gymatorium. We did, and how it would work was okay. So the little bit of drama was this: as I have mentioned in previous episodes, I never auditioned for any shows in high school. And it was only my senior year that I was involved in the music department on any level. I started playing in the jazz band because they didn't have a guitarist and they found out that I played. So I was playing a little bit and I had auditioned for that coffee shop thing. And so my Miss Ebersole, who's the head of the department, said, I'll let you do the coffee shop if you promise to audition for the musical. I auditioned for the musical and I was very prepared because I don't like, (laughs) ironically, because things have changed so drastically, because now I'm not prepared for anything. At the time, I did, I was not going to audition for this thing if I wasn't prepared. So I had listened to every Joseph CD known to man. And that's saying something because there are cast There's albums out the ass. Ironically, Keith, last night I couldn't sleep. Insomnia hit me. I'm watching PBS. And guess what was on? Donny Osmond live in concert. From, like, Ah! last year. And he did a whole... He goes backstage and puts on a dream coat and a stupid wig and does a whole set, a Joseph set. (laughs) Of course he does. (laughs) So, I mean, I wore that CD out. So I went and I nailed this audition. Now, the problem, though, was the, like, the guy, this guy, Matt, a good friend of mine, he had been in drama from... Colleague.
0: Good, Good colleague of yours.
1: Yeah. He had been... In the drama department from the get from like way back in the day. And this was his senior year too. And so they picked this show so that Matt could do it.
0: Oh my God, you s- totally
1: stole his part. But I must have like slayed it because they were like, we have to do what's right here. And so they gave me the part. And then Matt decided that he was like, actually, it's cool because he ended up being co director with Lara, the Ebersol. And so what would happen was she would do some stuff on stage while Matt would have people in the choir room and be direct. So they had kind of a dual rehearsal process going. The good news is that I went on to be kind of a pretty failed actor and Matt went on to be an incredibly successful director in the business. So no kidding. He's worked, he worked at the Arden forever and then as a director at the Arden and then he's now, he has his own theater company, Theater Horizon. He does a bunch of stuff. So he did great.
0: All was well with Matt. No, there's no <laughs> bad blood. He has he ever like gotten ready to cast you and then cast somebody else just to get you back? <laughs> no comment. He is not. He is not verbalizing that. <laughs> but his nonverbal communication. Let's just you say know I've, what it was. I've never worked for one of his companies. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's some pretty. Yeah that that senior year like who gets the lead in the musical. I you know, I had that same thing, except on on the Matt side of it, uh, where I had I you know what, and, and I totally understand why. Because I was such a cocky little shit at that point. Uh so we did Greece and all of a sudden like I'm knicky. Which which happened a lot. And you know what? I fucking deserved it. Also, I was a little chubby. Nobody wanted to see mm-hmm. me as as Danny Zuko.
1: Yeah, isn't Kinnicky oh. the hotter
0: one, though, really? Not in my production. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Not in my production. All right. Moving on. Let me, I'll talk about what's going on in Rochester. Because this actually is a thing I know exactly what I was doing then. Because... This was the date of the blizzard of 99. Yes. In Rochester. Uh, well, the whole the a, whole Northeast, really. Yeah. and uh, But Rochester got crushed. We got two feet on March 4th, and then another 18 inches on March 6th. And it was really crazy. People were stuck on the highway for long, long times. So they ended up, like, dumping the snow into the Genesee River because there was nothing else to do with it. Ooh. It was, uh, yeah, it was pretty crazy, and the good part about, well, the good slash bad part, depending on your, whether you really wanted to go to atonal music history at 830 in the morning, was that our dorms were just across the street from the theater, or from the, the school, and the school's only one, like, it's like two and a half buildings all right attached to each other, so we still had to go, no excuses. So that's what I was doing. On March 7th, 1999. What do you say we talk about what everybody else was doing? As we do that, I should mention, it was both my wife's
1: uh, and my mother-in-law's birthday on March 7th in
0: 1999. Your wife and your... Wait, so Jen and Jen's mom... Have the same birthday. Jen's mom had Jen on her birthday. Yep. Wow. Crazy, right? Did they try to do that? I don't think so, but every
1: year when I, like... I'm so proud that I remember my wife's birthday. I inevitably forget that it's also my mother-in-law's birthday, and then I always get in trouble. She's always mad at me that I forgot my mother-in-law's birthday. And then I say, what do you want from me? I remember your birthday. That's big.
0: I, I would say so. Yeah. Actually, my mother-in-law's birthday is only two days from my birthday. So we just, I it's easy to remember. This is the I, riveting
1: know, information.
0: People oh really... Oh, my God. Wow. Guys, aren't you just... You know, you're sitting in your car, driving to work, you're on the subway heading home. Can't
1: wait to see how things are playing out on The Practice, which is why you subscribe to a podcast about it. And yet, little did you know, two heterosexual males would talk about their high school musicals. And their mother-in-law's birthdays Mm -hmm. in relation to their own birthdays. What I remember, though, about about that storm, though... Was I remember, you know, you always love when it would snow because you could like go sledding. Didn't matter how old oh, yeah. you were. Do whatever you would do. It was so that storm was so intense that each individual blade of grass was sheathed in ice. So even trying uh, to, to, to shovel or to sled or do anything was miserable and painful. It was it was a doozy.
0: Yeah. No, I, of course, you got ice. We got snow. Yeah. I mean, because we talked last year <laughs> yeah, about I the remember. ice storm in Vermont, which was crazy. All right, blah blah blah. Thankfully, we're done with the weather section of this podcast. No, all right, we we are not. Uh, But in the real world, we were listening. Oh, this is it! Oh yeah. We were listening. We were experiencing. We were auto tuned. We were believing. Because our good friend Cher finally took the number one spot with Believe. It had been kicking around at number two for about a month. Finally took it over. So please enjoy Believe by Cher while I talk about it. Yes. I
2: can't break through. There's no
0: talking to you. Talking to you.
1: So
3: sad.
0: Now we're doing our share impressions. This is the straightest podcast. All <laughs> oh, right, the top movie was Analyze This, which took in 18 million. Was
1: that De Niro's kind of first foray into comedy, or was the Fockers before that?
0: Oh, good question. I think it was roughly around the same time, but this was the beginning of the De Niro is Funniest songs. Mm-hmm. The local Burlington Free Press. The cover said, market fluctuations part of Vermont dairy life. Which, again, if you're a Vermonter, the dairy industry is huge there. So, uh, the price of milk, if it's low, it's good for us, but bad for the farmers. And versa visa. So, uh, that's what was going on in Vermont. So, uh... Thankfully we can uh we can move on with our lives and be done with this oh crap Can
1: you tell me the weather? Cause we all need to know was it hot or did it snow? Tell me the weather. Twenty one years ago. You know, back March seventh, nineteen ninety nine, we actually had real winter, not this global warming crap we're dealing with now. It was
0: thirty. My windows are wide open. It's February.
1: Yeah, it's it was thirty degrees, but the real feel was fifteen degrees. The high was only twenty one degrees, which doesn't make a lot of sense. It was supposed to be twenty one, I guess it got up to thirty, but the low was one lone degree Fahrenheit with a real feel of negative three. Uh, That's what we used to call winter here in the Northeast. And that is your time, Machine Weather.
0: All right, it's finally time to talk about the damn episode. Welcome, all the folks who skipped ahead. Congratulations for being bright. You didn't miss anything. (laughs) (laughs) All right. This episode, Target Practice, Season 3, Episode 17, was not written by David E. Kelly. Oh. He actually did not write this one. This was written by Cindy Lichtman, from uh, who wrote Ally McBeal and writes on Supergirl. A start interesting story on the practice started as an executive assistant, then became a story editor, and then started writing for the show. Uh, so that's great. Welcome, uh, welcome in. And it was also written by Alfonso H Moreno, who last wrote in Swearing In. And it was directed by John Patterson, who last directed Save the Mule. Indeed. Which leaves us with only one more thing to do before we do the episode.
4: What is that supposed to be? What's your problem? Is this what happens to women when you insert your penis?
5: What?! What does Mike think's gonna happen? You know, what if he would have drank the curdled milk? Then what would have happened? What would have happened? I will
1: go ahead and make this brief. The previous Leon talked about two things. It rehashed the uh, Eugene's son and Lucy uh, romance, if you will, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. It also then flashed back to long, long time ago, Jimmy the Grunt. We started talking about Jimmy the Grunt. Yes. So between those two things and the episode title Target Practice, I'm going to say that Eugene's son gets in trouble for something involving a gun. Okay. Like possession or something. He's in trouble, and Jimmy the Grunt is going to take the lead on the case. I don't know why Eugene wouldn't do it. Maybe they'd tag team
0: that's my guess. Okay. All right. Well, that's that's a good uh, that's a good guess. I'd watch that episode. I might right now, or I might have to just write it in my head. Let's find out, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Let's talk about more bullshit first. Here's an ad. What's that? <clears throat> oh yeah, anchor. You know, just like an anchor sinking this episode down to the depths of just absolute <laughs> shit. You know what? It wasn't an anchor, Keith. It was a buoy. It brought the episode way back to the top, right back to the surface. It truly did. Welcome back. I feel refreshed and relieved. And now that we've turned things around, let's turn our attention to the practice. Season 3, episode 17, Target Practice.
6: Jimmy, can I get you anything else? Ginger ale's supposed to be good. (laughs) He's puking.
0: Jimmy,
6: out in a second. Bobby, he can't go into trail sick.
0: Uh oh. I hate to do it, that just but means he's ready. we have to ask Parishioners. It is time to contemplate the answer to one of God's greatest mysteries.
6: What the hell is Lucy wearing?
0: I love starting the episode with what the hell is Lucy wearing?
1: Yeah, we 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 should do it more.
0: Wow. There we go. It's a good shot of it. It looks like, uh, once again, I think she might be the Donald Trump Jr. of hunting grandmother's couches and Mm -hmm. turning it into outfits, because this one definitely looks like she killed grandma's couch, added a collar, and turned it into some sort of Hugh Hefner robe. So maybe she killed Hefner's couch. That? actually, is probably the most apt
1: descriptor that anyone could give it. It looks exactly like that. Hugh Hefner, <laughs> a Hugh Hefner bathrobe jammy situation made from your grandmother's couch with a banging fur collar.
0: Yes, I'm assuming faux, but yes. So, uh, <clears throat> it was so good that Jimmy is puking. We'll counterpoint that with, it should be noted, Bobby's suit
1: is perfectly fitted it's not one of his big uh uh steve harvey jams
0: oh okay
7: it happens to him on the big cases he puked before the power lines case he puked before going up against tommy silva those were his best trials
8: the gun case mm-hmm. we should all be nauseous we're going into a case we can't win
5: can't
9: what's going on jimmy's puking how are we doing on robertson pushed uh, they bought time for the pre trial
5: my
4: I think you should take one last shot at a continuance. We'll never
5: get
9: a continuance. You might,
4: this Jimmy. Never it's th- worth a try. There's talk that the manufacturers aren't coming clean discovery-wise. You're not
5: going to get a
7: last-second continuance, Eleanor. Look, the defense is in no hurry. They angry.
8: may want to delay it. The defense is thrilled to go now. We don't have a case. You stop saying that. Earth to Jimmy. Causation.
5: This is the time to be trying this case. The gun industry is ripe to get smacked. Timing's
0: everything, and I... Earth to Lindsay. Why do you... <laughs> Why are you so mean to everybody this whole season? Oh, enjoy that. There's some good ASMR.
1: So they're going up against clearly the gun industry in some sort of way, the manufacturers. It sounds like they are indeed. Yeah, and your thing, your point is well taken. Lindsay was on the team a couple weeks ago of righteous indignation when when Cameron or when Eleanor wanted to go up, wanted to support the asbestos industry, or no, the uh, right.
0: Was it asbestos? Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, it was asbestos. Yeah, she wanted to take on an asbestos. They won
1: all that Monday, taking money, taking on tobacco. Like it seems to be their sort of mo is to be on the quote unquote right of the consumer. Uh, so why are we up? Why is she pissed? Maybe it's because Jimmy's case. Maybe that's why she's not confident.
0: It seems like she's she's snarky because she doesn't think they have a chance. Hmm. But even if you're like, I'm a little nervous about this. You don't have to be so mean like Lindsay has been just flat out mean this entire season it's not a good look david come on he didn't write this episode buddy he didn't no but he's in the season sounds like you're being a little you're being a little
1: snowflakey
0: keith some would say i'm a i well you know i don't mind if somebody is mean for a reason or if that's consistent with the character you have disc- you have set up the previous thirty five episodes. Fair. So I just want so I just want it to make sense. I just don't want it to be sort of mean for no reason. What would Obama say? You know, Melania would say, "Be best." <laughs> uh, Lindsay, you're clearly not being best. Uh, in America, we all try to uh, rise above our petty insecurities and uh, uh, being upset with other cast members.
4: We haven't even gone over my testimony.
5: I don't want to go over it. I don't want it sounding rehearsed. You just tell your story. And then me. You, I'm holding back for now.
0: So she's co counsel Mm-hmm.
6: Donald Young Dolan front. Yeah, one second. It's your ex-wife. Sounds pretty upset.
1: It's Eugene's ex-wife.
9: Sharon? What? Where is he? Uh-oh. Oh, okay, I'll, I'll meet you down there.
8: What's wrong?
0: None of your damn business, Lucy. I think the- I had that sweater the extra was wearing. Yeah. Oh kit. Oh shit. His son, Kendall.
6: How did they is get in, in your locker? locker? I don't know. I swear to God.
0: The principal says he got a phone tip
9: from a parent, something about you dealing. You know anything oh, about shit. that? Oh shit. Dealing drugs?
6: dealing? That's a lie.
9: Were they your drugs? Billy Thomas. No. Welcome back
6: Come to
8: the
9: episode. dad. Then why were they in your locker? How I many times you gonna
6: make him answer that question? You see me talking to my son? Ooh. I just want to go home.
9: Palpable well, tension between ready. Eugene and
6: but his dad. It was your luck. I don't know, maybe I was set up. Set up? By who? I don't know, kids. Please. Like they did Eleanor. Mmm. Swear to God those drugs weren't mine.
0: Alright. Eugene's XY! Who's that? Salty X. The salty X, who I don't know. No, it is this situation where one becomes salty when your 11 year old has been arrested for dealing absolutely uh is played by i believe it's pronounced ingenue ellis great name who, great name and not spelled that way spelled with an a uh she is a 2019 emmy nominee for a miniseries called when they see us she was also in E-Ring, Trust, uh, Justice, True Blood, The Taking of Pelham 123, which the remake, The Mentalist, Quantico, and Designated Survivor. She's had a very good career. You know,
1: <clears throat> if your dad's a high-powered uh, defense attorney, you s- probably don't want to cash that chip in when you're 11 11? years old. Yeah, you probably want to save that for some shit you do later in life. Although, I guess getting busted for selling drugs at 11 is...
0: As good a time as any. I suppose. Yeah. Well, here's the problem with when you have a get out of jail free card is if you're the type of person who gets one, you never get to use it. I, I got, I have one. I got one, uh, from a, a, uh, Sergeant friend. I got like the, like the union card with my name on it. And he's like signed it with his cell phone number on it. And he's like basically just give this to the cop and if it's like you didn't murder somebody you're fine. But I've I've never used it. And now it's like 15 years old. It's very sad. Yeah,
1: that well that's because that that person probably knew you, Keith, and knew that you would never have to use that. So they're like, "Oh, it's a good person to give it to."
0: <clears throat> yeah, it's wasted. It's I should
1: you know, if I gave it to you, Merry you might Christmas. be able to use it. Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> My name is Keith Varney.
4: <laughs> we were out having dinner. Celebrating. Lisa had just been accepted to Emerson. Oh, I'll
0: do this before the scene starts. Lady on the stand. Lady battling the gun industry. Yeah, you you don't have enough context to say your half of that. This is going to be the mother of the victim, Mm. uh, played by Kimberly Newberry. From Traffic, The American President, NYPD Blue, and Martin. And while I'm doing it, again, for the flow, her husband, or her husband who we met earlier, is uh, played by Robert Dokey, the guy with the mustache. He was in Robocop 1, 2, and 3. He was in Pound Puppies, the Jeffersons, and the Harlem Globetrotter Cities series from the 70s. And don't worry, he played Nogra on Deep Space Nine. I can't find it, so Star Trek! Unnecessary
4: Star Trek! All of a sudden, there was screaming. Um, we looked around, and there were three men standing there, waving guns. It seemed like a hold-up of some sort. There was one guy just shooting everywhere. And there was yelling, and we went to the floor. And then they were gone. It all happened so fast. And as I climbed up, I looked to Lisa. And she wasn't moving. She was just laying there. And I knew she had been hit.
0: Ooh, good single tear from and, Robert And Do-Kee. I went to
4: try and shake her awake. And uh,
0: she, she wouldn't wake
1: I'm so glad we solved the gun problem in the she intervening doing- years.
0: Yeah, boy, It's so irrelevant.
10: First, let me say how sorry I am for your loss, Mrs. Kimbrough.
0: There's the gun lawyer. Yes. I'll Mrs. Kimbrough, you're
10: not alleging any design defect in the guns Pearson Heron manufactures.
4: I think any time a gun is designed as an assault weapon, there's some kind of defect somewhere.
10: Yes, but this isn't about a safety feature or product. No,
4: it's about you putting these things into the hands of killers.
10: Move to strike. Sustained. Just answer the questions he asks, ma'am. Do you know of any technology employed by... Objection.
5: Uh, This isn't about technology.
10: Can I ask my questions?
9: You can
5: ask questions that are relevant to the cause of action. All right. The objection is Sustained. The this issue judge here is concerns advertising and marketing, Mr. Lawrence, mind.
9: and
10: only that. Mrs. Kimbrough, do you have any knowledge that the person who shot and killed your daughter read any advertising relating to my client's guns?
4: I have Ooh no boy. specific knowledge, no.
10: In fact, you don't even know how Mr. Brown got this gun, do you?
4: No, I do not.
10: Thank you, Mrs. Kimbrough.
0: That's all. I know that lawyer from somewhere. So, this gun lawyer is played by one of my favorite character actors, Kurt Fuller, who you would know from Ghostbusters 2. He plays, like, bad guys and assholes uh, incredibly well. He was in uh, Ghostbusters 2, Midnight in Paris, Anger Management, he's on The Evil Show, he was in Supernatural, Psych, Desperate Housewives, and Interesting to Me and No One Else, he also was in the movie adaptation of Joshua, which was a faith-based movie based on a faith-based book, which at one point earlier in my career under a pseudonym I wrote the music and lyrics for a musical adaptation of. So he played Pat in Joshua. Also, he will play five, he plays 5 different characters in the Kellyverse just in the Boston-based Kellyverse shows. Ooh,
1: my microphone keeps dying, Keith.
0: This is not good. This is... Oh, you know what? Uh, you know what uh, has microphones that work? What's that? A better podcast that
1: pays attention and goes to Best Buy and buys a new microphone. But I'm not a better but What's the key? Where am I? <laughs> What's happening? I... Don't you wish your mic was dead there? Well, interestingly, my mic uh, is also currently serving as my headphone jack. So because it wasn't... W- only one thing was working at a time. So I couldn't hear the... W- once you started rolling, uh, nobody cares. I'm going to play the episode.
0: <laughs> we need an excuses bumper. I think it went good. Just need an... You
5: think?
8: Yes, but that's the easy part now.
1: The microphones jack, the USB input is it broke. I dropped it on tour and it broke. So I have it being held in by electrical tape. Oh. So if I well, move too much, it comes out. So this is going to happen probably three more times. Well, I, I literally why don't just, you just super glue it. So that it never comes out? Why not? Yeah, I guess that's actually a really good idea. That's what maybe, I'm saying. Maybe I'll do that. Or I'll just
0: buy a new microphone. I don't know. Well, you can super glue it until it dies. Then you buy a new microphone. <sighs> Woo, this is what you get here on the Out of Practice Podcast. Thanks for listening. I also
8: think we should take a quick shot the opening at credits still rolling. still rolling. They're saying that because they think we have a chance of winning. <laughs> Which we do. Jimmy, we do not want to go to verdict on this.
5: Hi. Hi. Ready? All
8: set. Listen, we talked before about your demeanor saying neutral. Yes. Forget it. We want you to come on strong. Really? I think we should lead it with outrage. Emotions are strength here, we can't back off it. Can you come on strong? Are you kidding? Don't overdo it, just- Strong.
2: Go on in. We'll meet you. Okay. He's
5: Peter Iacongelo. I don't disagree with him coming on strong, Lindsay, but since I'm first back. chair, let's run it by me first.
8: He's gonna take the stand in like five minutes. There's not that much time We'll this. make the time.
5: Ooh, yeah, Jimmy!
0: Yeah, Jimmy! Stand
5: up for like, yourself.
0: He has been principal medically condescending. He was booked on the possession with intent. Yes, he you, doesn't Jimmy.
9: know
7: how he ended up there. You believe him? I got to, Nona. Okay, let me talk to the principal. Maybe we can suppress the search. Look, he's to- an 11-year-old kid. What the hell is he? This ain't my kid, Bobby. Now I know he wouldn't do this kind of. Maybe. Maybe we could steal this to Helen. Eugene, I'm doing this. Look, no, I can handle this. This I is said, my pro- I'm doing it. We'll take Eleanor with us too. Okay. Look at me. If I have to go into the favor bank, I will. We'll take care of this.
1: Thank you. God damn it. You are a mess over there. It was going
0: well. I was feeling good. Things were good. Uh, The buffer. And then, you you know what it is? Because you went back to see what, uh, what the Lucy, hell was, Lucy wearing. was wearing.
1: Yeah, hold on. You should yards.
0: never go back. You just have to commit. And trust me that I know what Lucy was wearing. And you can trust that I'm going to be here to fill more, t- <laughs> more, more time while you try to fix this. Because... I'm going to uh, fix it. You, you know what we haven't done? Fill at least a half hour of your life with nonsense there we go we're back it was just, it was we're my back. stupid face taking up too much
5: bandwidth <laughs> thanks rcn how long have you worked for the boston firearm project four and a half years and before that i was a detective with the boston police department you're familiar sir with the gun used in the shooting death of lisa kimber oh that's a semi-auto uh,
1: that's like an uzi
5: that's an uzi try? yeah
11: it's a uh, semi-automatic a assault weapon
5: known as the Tac-10. Pretty serious thing. It's a military weapon. Did you say commercially available? People can buy these. Oh, yes.
0: Good In your thing experience we as this. As a member
5: of the Boston Firearm Project and as a member of the Boston Police Force, does it surprise you that this weapon would be sold to a man like Ray Brown, a person with a felony record?
11: In my experience, this man represents their market. Objection? There's wow. no foundation
10: for that. And this witness knows it. Are you going to tell me what I know, counsel? All right, the objection is overruled.
5: That's a pretty strong statement, Mr. Marshall. This
11: thing isn't for self-defense. It isn't to shoot skeet. It isn't to hunt. Its design is to spray fire, which means that you sweep it from side to side. It goes against the way most people shoot in a self-defense situation. This is an offensive weapon.
10: Ever heard of survivalists, Mr. Marshall? Yes, but survivalists. Might a survivalist buy this type of gun? He might, but survivalists. Ever hear the term plinking, Mr. Marshall? Oh, please! Have you ever heard of plinking, sir? Yes. What is it?
1: It's a game on the Prices Right where you take a chip and you slide it down a board into a uh a, a certain bucket of money uh hence plinko mm.
0: yeah yeah it is it's the second best game on price is right you know what I my favorite one is it's the uh the mountain climber the, the yodeler. yodeler
1: yeah dude that's mine too i can't believe that we have the same one <laughs> 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 <laughs>
10: <laughs> shooting at cans such and Such a good game. It's a recreational use. Attack <laughs> 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 10, oh. 10, isn't it? Attack 10 is designed to kill people.
9: Objection, to move to strike.
10: Water bottles, sustained. There are uses for this gun other than holding up a convenience store, aren't there, Mr. Marshall? This gun is designed to kill the sold to people to who strike. want to move kill. To strike. All right. Is it your testimony before this court that only criminals buy this weapon? Is that your testimony? No. <laughs> Thank you. And do you think a law-abiding citizen should be allowed to purchase this weapon? No, I don't. Thank you, sir. I think we all know exactly where you stand.
1: damn. Boom.
0: See Alfred, Alfred Hitchcock sitting on the jury. They were in here.
6: Seven bags of
4: marijuana. Seven. Frankly it surprised me Mr. Young Kendall isn't one of our problem students.
7: The incident report says that you received a phone tip from a parent but A
1: brief aside so they're going through Kendall's locker here discussing the marijuana incident. Mm-hmm. Yes, <clears throat> bro- the principal's played by Kimberly Scott by the way. My brother is a a principal of a middle school and they recently had a pretty big uh, "quote unquote drug bust. Although I have to tell you because I find it very funny what was happening so rather than selling actual marijuana now you know the kids are all into the vaping and so they were selling uh, oh like jewel packets or whatever no yeah well yeah these little cartridges with marijuana oil in them and you know Um, for those who don't know it sort of looks like like an orange tinted tincture like of a pretty high viscosity inside this little tube so, they found a whole bunch in the tampon dispenser of the middle school. Oh, smart. And they were able to, you know, locate the student who was uh, involved in this. And in one of the most amazing excuses I've ever heard, this is this girl's story. She found out that people were selling marijuana cartridges and was so mortified that this was happening that she purchased them all. And then her plan was ah. to slowly remove the marijuana oil from each of them and replace it with honey, which ah. looks the same. So she was in the process of replacing it with honey, but they, before she could do so, they caught her. So that was her story. So rather than give wow. up the game, she decided to like concoct that that fiction, which is pretty good, I have to say.
0: That's so elaborate. Mm-hmm. I thought it was I pretty mean, good. I, yeah, I mean... Also, like, the replacement. She could have just stopped at. I was I was mad about it, and I w- wanted to buy it up and just get rid of them all. Right. And I was too afraid to throw them out, so I just stuffed them there to figure out before I figured out what to do. The yeah. whole adding honey, like, replacing it, that's a... As if... uh the illegal
1: vape trade wasn't dangerous enough or causing was, uh, uh, medical issues, taking know, it right? and replacing it with honey and then people smoking, uh, burning and smoking honey, I'm sure that's
4: probably good for you.
0: I, yeah, yeah, I don't, I think, you know, maybe just, uh, just cool doesn't general But it not the parent
4: was. District policy is to keep that kind of information confidential.
9: What kind of Gestapo policy is that?
4: I start naming names and it discourages people from coming forward. I've confiscated two guns this year. Nobody wants to be a target.
9: I understand your concern, but my son says he was set up, and you relied on a phone tip. Now, how do you know the person
4: on the other line was a parent? I recognize the name, and I recognize a parent when I hear one. We have to know who the accuser is. Otherwise, I'm sorry. Miss Richwood, you know we can subpoena
7: this information.
0: So so subpoena it.
7: Let's just save some
0: time. Yeah, because you're putting the principal in a really... But the They're principal the needs to of put up a fight. criminals.
8: The defendant.
12: The defendant, as well as many other major gun manufacturers.
8: But Mr. Hedberg, a person can't just walk into a store and buy a gun. There are background checks, waiting periods.
12: Yes, that all sounds good. But our studies have found that straw buyers go into these dealerships, buy the guns, and immediately put them into a black market. That's where the gangs get a hold of them, as well as other people who can't legally buy them on their own.
8: But wouldn't that be the dealer's fault? How do you blame the manufacturers?
12: I blame them because they turn a blind eye to it. They know where these guns are headed. That, to me, makes them complicit. You have
10: no direct evidence that my client's company knows what the dealerships do. How could they not know? These guns are used It's a guess on your part, right, Mr. Hedberg? You have no specific information as to what my
12: client knows. This is your opinion. The fact is that one buyer with a clean record can walk into a store and buy 100 assault weapons. My opinion is that he doesn't want all these guns for himself. My guess is that the dealers and the manufacturers take the money and wink.
10: You work for an anti-gun research foundation, don't you, sir? Yes. And you have no actual knowledge as to my clients' marketing strategies, do you, sir? No actual knowledge. They do an excellent job of keeping that secret. Lucky we have you to just fill in the blanks. Objection. Sustained. These opinions you have, do you try to pass them off
12: as data in your studies? All of our conclusions are suggested quite persuasively by the data Mr. Lawrence.
10: And as you work for an anti-gun project, is it just possible that the conclusions came before the data? No. No. Now there's a truthful response. Objection. Sustained. Objection.
1: Be tough. I think
10: All right
0: All right.
1: Guy who work for the research facility. The guy who
0: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I was going to stick with it. <laughs> yeah, you know, we should do a uh, super cut of all of your <laughs> guy question mark dot dot dots at the end of that bumper. Uh, I stand all by All right. Well, that guy is Dan Ziski, who you would recognize. He played the VP on House of Cards. He was also in Adventures in Babysitting, played Paul Tagliabue in Concussion, the movie interestingly, and uh, was also in Show Me a Hero on HBO with Jillian. Oh. Ladies and gentlemen,
1: we're only 14 minutes into this episode, and I'll tell you, Keith, Mm. David E. Kelly is going to need some sort of twisty twist happening here because... Something to, as I sit here in 2020, I know where we are with the gun issues, and the argument hasn't changed a who it on either side. Um, no, it, it sure hasn't. Except for the increase in mass shootings, but that's
0: for another discussion. That's right. Well, the problem has only gotten worse, but yeah. the fight stays the same. So, because they're a bunch of cowards.
1: If it feels like we've watched this episode before, it's because we've lived it for 20 goddamn
0: years seriously
1: so I want to see more about Eugene like
11: this represents the perversity <laughs> of a legal system gone okck here we have a cause coupled with an attorney of questionable character such as Mr. Berluti the, who Jim Jim? conspires to go out and seek out a victim any victim he can saddle up and ride in this liberal jurisdiction
1: oh. of Massachusetts
5: jackass, you know that
1: actually that's I'm sorry to interrupt that's a pretty compelling uh counter narrative for them to play right Because, you know, Jimmy's got the cancer cluster case and the X, Y, Z, you know, the grunt looking for victims. And to to portray him as just going out after the money is pretty actually smart.
0: Yep. And of course, like, it's the type of argument you make when you know you're a thousand percent wrong on all the facts. Mm -hmm. So you argue process.
11: Shoot somebody and smile. Just heard from the ambulance chasing. Okay. So what Jimmy just said there.
0: Maybe we'll let Jimmy say it. I'll go back all right
11: oh, oh, great. He can saddle up and ride in this liberal jurisdiction of Massachusetts. You're a jackass, you know that? Go shoot somebody and smile! We <laughs> just heard from the ambulance chasing sector <laughs> of the... ambulance Special. is filled with gunshot victims! <laughs> this is an attorney who advertised on television billing himself as Jimmy the Grunt. This is a man who capitalizes on people's personal bane on a, on a contingency.
0: Alright, two things. One, uh, that guy who was, uh, he's the defendant, he is the owner or works for the gum gun company. It's played by Holmes Osborne. Uh, but go shoot somebody and smile. That is the tortured nonsense. You have a character say, because they're not allowed to say, fuck you. Right. And it's, it's so obvious and such a weird, tortured, bizarre thing for someone to say in real life. It's, I mean, at this point, if I were doing this, I'd I'd have him say, fuck you, and then just bloop it. Just bloop it. Oh, Jesus. Bleep it. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be crazy if, like,
1: years later, a president would go on TV and say, I could shoot somebody and get away with
0: it? Yeah, but he would all, I'd say I'd shoot somebody and smile, but I'd also say, Fuck!
9: It's
1: President's Day, Mrs. so I'm trying Baker. to get as many impressions in as <laughs> possible. I'm Young.
9: This is Great. Bobby Donnell. I'm Kendall Young's father. We're both attorneys at law.
6: What do you want?
7: We just have a couple of questions. It only Susan a minute. Barnes
0: is the mom. Come in.
6: Michael, take Kevin and go to your room,
0: please. Now. Man, if I had a nickel for
1: every time I heard that.
0: What were they doing, playing chess? It's like four. I know what this is about.
9: So you made the call? Yes. My son says he was set
6: up. Is that what you told him to say?
7: (whistles) Excuse me? I'm sorry, Mrs. Baker, but somehow we've gotten off on the wrong foot. All we're trying to ascertain here is why you made the call.
6: Kendall's dealing drugs. He tried to get Michael to do the same.
9: I don't believe that. Believe it. Do you know my son? If you knew my son, you would know that's just not possible. Well, I mean, it's possible.
6: Do you like my clock? What? It has a tiny camera in it.
1: Oh shit! A nanny shit. cam. Nanny cam. With
6: what you hear in the news, you can't be too careful.
1: Yeah. Two who would put ago, a camera boom, on their wall?
6: And I find this on the machine.
1: Oh, VHS. What? Money.
6: When are you gonna get it? I meet mean, him at 4:30. He's gonna give me eight bags. You heard Brian Armstrong got committed to DYS. He's 14. We're 11. Juvie. Big difference, especially if we deal more than a 1,000 feet away from the school. The park's better. We only need to be 100 feet away. Oh, Eugene is pissed. What if I get busted? My dad says if you get caught, never admit to anything, even to your lawyer, because they'll be stuck with whatever you tell them.
0: Oh, shit. Meanwhile, can we just discuss the fact she had the tape already there and queued up and the TV was already on. Actually, you know what? I, I, I retract that because I guess she knew they were coming over, like yeah. they had an appointment. Yeah, right, that's never, a, mind. Mm-hmm. never mind. Never mind. Take it back. I take it back. Sustained.
2: 135?
8: No admission of liability. I think we can push them to 150. But they don't even admit to blame. No, but the fact that they're paying money, people can infer blame.
1: Dear everyone, just to clear this up before we get to any future episodes, if they offer you a settlement, assume they're not admitting blame. But since it's the practice, also assume that if you say no to the settlement, the verdict will probably go
0: in your favor and you'll get millions more. That's... All of those are true, yes. But I'm surprised they, they're they not... Uh... The first offer is demanding the settlement under seal. Hmm.
5: We think we should accept the kid who shot your daughter. We got no evidence as to how he got the gun, whether there was any connection to how it was marketed. I'm sorry.
2: Mr. Baluti, when you agreed to represent us, you stressed that this was about money. And I know that your contingency is hanging on... What... What we really want is a verdict.
8: I don't think you'll get it. That's
1: honest. That's fair.
2: I know this seems very selfish of us, but we can't settle out on Lisa's death. I mean,
4: what we want to try to do is affect the way they do their business. 150 isn't even a pinch to them
2: also true
8: we're not going to affect the way these people do business
2: Mrs. Kimbrough we don't have any money now but I am willing to pay you by the hour so that you don't lose out that's not an issue
5: if you want to keep going then we'll keep going
0: yeah it's personal for Jimmy now well because he's not doing it for the money Like everybody else. The they can search system. you without a watch. Moneybags Dole about about over
6: they, there. They
9: are the least yeah. of your concerns right now. Worry about me. Now, why are you selling drugs? Answer me. Eugene. He's dealing. I can't believe you'd be so stupid. If
6: you would stop yelling at and him. And you stop protecting I'm him. I'm not protecting him. I want to hear what the boy has to say.
1: Bear. That dog is barking.
6: I'm sorry, but... But what? It's just marijuana. It's like selling beer.
9: Oh, that's a good response. Aren't you glad you heard that?
6: Kendall, do you smoke pot and drink beer? No, I just thought I could make some money. I don't do that stuff, I swear. Mm-hmm. Like you swore those drugs weren't yours. Technically, they weren't mine. I got them on consignment.
1: What? Keith, what was your allowance growing up? Did you get an allowance? <laughs>
0: Uh I did get an allowance. I think it topped out at maybe ten bucks a week. Ooh. But but I was uh <clears throat> I was also fined for every uh item out of place in my room. You had it wait, you there were infractions if your room wasn't OCD style? Uh-huh. Yep. I was fined for every like sock on the floor. So I never got the full ten. Wow. Wow. I have to I know it's dark. We'll talk about that uh, on a different I podcast. To, I have to
1: roll that and smoke it for a couple minutes.
9: <laughs> How do you know a word like that? And who gave them to you? Boy.
6: Who gave you the drugs? He goes by Robbie G. I don't know his full name. Robbie G. You know him? I don't know. Maybe. Either you do or you don't.
9: He might work for a client of mine. I'm not sure.
6: That's nice. Father and son. Oh, let's not put this on Eugene. Come on.
5: I always make this mistake. I buy a new pair of shoes for trial. They're not broken in. And I get a blister.
8: Try mine. You're still chasing the ghost of Jimmy the Grunt, aren't you?
5: He tried to stop me from making that commercial. I remember.
0: And then you so were horrible to me Jimmy, you've subsequently the entire Jimmy
8: time. It. Look, we even have an offer here, which is a miracle. How come with the tobacco company, you were like Don Quixote, but here... <laughs> we had a much better case against a tobacco company. That was funny. And you know how people love guns.
5: But don't you agree that these companies are supplying criminals?
8: Yes. But... But what?
0: <sighs> oh. Lindsay got a gun. Which we already know because she shot Thinking a guy the with, with legs the crazy loons earlier.
8: 100%. I don't want gang members getting hold of guns like these. I don't. but I'm glad
5: I got
0: mine. Okay. And we are back. Oh my goodness. We had, I was literally in the middle minute. Oh Jesus. I just did it myself. I'm in the middle of a sentence and my computer blue screened, like full on blue screen of death. And, uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not surprised. I was working with a lot of stuff before, but the fact that pro tools saved the file and was able to recover, it was a 45 minute long wave file that it was able to recover from a running blue screen. I, I hats
1: off pro tools. Well done. What say you kids is Keith's consolation prize. He gets to, to stitch the episode together this week. No boo <laughs> uh, Alright, so when we last left our heroes, uh Jimmy and Lindsay were having a bit of a come to Jesus together about the Where we had
0: Yeah, we'd just seen that Lindsay has a gun herself, the handgun that we saw her use previously. Uh and I was trying to make the point that I'm not a fan of really guns in general, but there's a huge difference between a handgun and an assault rifle. And I have much less of a problem with somebody having a handgun than somebody with an AR15 or an Uzi or we know whatever's being used in 1999 and I think that there's a she's conflating the two and I I think there should be a distinction drawn Let's go to commercial <laughs>
8: Ready? I think. The key is not to try to pin him. He testifies in all their trials. He's like a professional witness now.
5: But I gotta go hard, don't I?
8: For him, I'd keep it under control. Plus, don't press for answers.
1: It's progress that Jimmy just said, I have to go hard, don't I? And I didn't say anything. But I did pause the episode to comment that I didn't say anything. Which is like saying something.
8: Do <laughs> your damage with the questions and then cut them <laughs> saying off. Saying
0: something you so have much more. to cut more. off the
8: responses. He's persuasive. Stick to yes and no as much as you can. Okay. Oh, you have some ink on your face.
4: It seems they can search the locker. Without a warrant? Comes down to reasonable suspicion. Which they didn't necessarily have. The informant
6: has to be reliable.
7: The tip didn't come from a snitch, Rebecca. It came from some kid's parent.
6: But there's no evidence the principal knew the parent, which means she has no basis to determine his reliability.
4: Also, on the tape, Kendall said that it was bad to have drugs near the schools. That would go against suspicion of the locker. The tape isn't relevant to probable cause. The principal didn't even know about the tape when she okayed the search. She was just acting on what the parents said.
9: And she didn't know the parents.
4: Which means they wobble on reliability. I think Rebecca's right. We could shut this down.
7: All right, the DA is Steve Bennett. Helen agreed to talk to him. I'm on my way to see her. I'm coming with you. No, you're not. I'll have a better chance without you there.
0: It's got to be awful for Eugene in this situation. The idea
7: that we market to
11: criminals is an absolute lie. Your ads do show young men with guns. As do ads for trucks. We shoot for a rugged demographic. To say that means
10: again is irresponsible, if not repugnant. Okay, but Mr. Hyde, you don't deny sometimes your company's products fall into the hands of people who use them for criminal purposes.
11: Look, we comply with every federal and state safety regulation, every distribution regulation. What more can we do? This is the equivalent of holding Ford Motor Company liable because somebody buys one of their Broncos and runs over people.
10: I guess their argument would be, It's more foreseeable that a gun would end up in the wrong hands than a Bronco. And I don't dispute that. But
5: nor can we control
11: the chain of custody of our product after we sell it.
5: You're familiar with recent studies showing that almost half the handguns used in crimes are legally bought from licensed dealers.
11: No, I'm aware of the studies. I don't agree with the data.
5: But you're aware that these studies show these guns are bought by straw purchases for people who can't legally buy them. Objection. He's trying to introduce studies and research as evidence. Sustained.
10: The jury will disregard it. Mr. Berluti, that's enough.
5: This year, Ed, for the TAC 10.
0: Yes.
11: One of the elements. There's no
5: question before you, sir. Is it your testimony that you do not try to advertise to people who might use your guns for criminal purposes? That the is my testimony.
0: Ad. Because you can't see it. has an advertisement has a running in this month's Soldier's Arnold Fortune Schwarzenegger talking about looking the dude holding tent. a gun says, Does it represent a
5: weapon to have excellent resistance to fingerprints? There's a context It's it. a yes or no question, sir. Does the advertisement represent a weapon to have excellent resistance to fingerprints? Yes, but there. Thank you. You testified that you follow all state and federal regulations with respect to distribution, did you not? Yes. Again, this is a yes or no question. Does your company ever sell gun kits through the mail? Yes, but- You've answered the question. Sir, my understanding of a gun kit, it's not considered legally a gun since it doesn't include a receiver. Would my understanding be correct? Yes. And since it's not legally a gun, no background checks are necessary. A convicted felon could order these kits through the mail. Would that be true? Yes. Do you also advertise something called a frame flat, which can be bent into a receiver? The context of that... It's a yes or no question. (laughs) Your Honor, I object.
10: Overruled. He should be allowed to finish his
5: answers. He's being asked yes or no questions. The objection is overruled. Your company advertises these frame flats. True or not true? True. Do You also supply your customers with an 800 telephone number. They can call for assistance in how to make a frame flat into a receiver?
11: We have an 800 number that offers general assistance.
5: Assistance including how to turn a frame flat into a receiver. Yes. If I were a convicted felon, and I wanted a gun, to avoid a background check, I could order one of your gun kits, order a frame flat, call you up, and you'd help me make the receiver.
11: There are a lot of law-abiding people, Mr. Berluti, who enjoy making their own guns. Sure.
1: Okay. Jimmy! The Grant. There's some great scowling happening. Why do you advertise
11: that the gun has a resistance to fingerprints? Well, it refers to the moisture and oils on the hand, a moisture that can corrode the metal. We're talking about a finish that goes to the gun's wear and tear. It has nothing to do with avoiding police fingerprint
10: detection. Thank you.
2: Your
5: ad doesn't read, resistance to moisture which causes corrosion. It reads resistance to fingerprints, right? Yes.
0: Yeah!
8: He's willing Give to continue me. without a finding. One year probation. But if you move it for runs. a suppression hearing, then he's going to recommend a delinquent finding. Oh, come on. Bobby, they can make intent with this kid. They're offering probation.
7: All I'm asking is that they don't pull the offer if we challenge the search.
8: It's policy. It's
7: I... Eugene's son.
8: I understand, but... Bobby, if we ever did that for you or Eugene, come on. You know how this goes. Why are you even blinking? Just take the no finding and probation and be
0: thankful. Now, this is where him being 11 is such a big factor. Like, why mm-hmm. isn't an 11-year-old ever on I'm here probation? To see Eugene. And you would be
12: Charles' best.
9: Eugene Page Not- me.
0: Not creepy at all. Nope. Hey, Eugene. What's up? Christian J. Mioli.
9: Thanks. You still got Robbie G running for you? Why? Is he in trouble again? I just need to know.
1: Eugene's doing you a little undercover me work me here. I'm your lawyer. Whilst not being undercover at all.
9: Yeah. Right.
10: He's still on the He's payroll. He's doing
1: some work.
9: Now you're going to tell me what's going on? Oh, up with my son? It's pilot Eugene. right now. are the school business. <laughs> you hear me? I need a second. If I get the slightest with you anywhere near school, privilege you know I'm going straight to the cop with everything I got on you. Now get out.
0: Not good legal practice,
8: but it's I understand them. It's better than we
5: ever hoped. Susan, Rebecca
8: allowed it. Doug, I know. I know how much the you wanted The moral authority, so that's true. But you have to remember, in the beginning, our goal was to do well enough to force an offer. We're here. We've got a great offer. You're in debt. You can use this money. So
0: Trust they me, the offer. Trust me. I'm not offer. thinking about our
8: contingency here. I'm thinking. And about we talked you. over it. And I don't doubt that, Lindsay. But we keep thinking of Lisa. I'll tell you what, we still have closing arguments. I don't think the offer's going anywhere. We'll see where we are after summations. OK.
2: OK. okay. Sorry to be doing this to you.
8: This is your case, Mr. Kimbrough, not ours. Yeah. <sighs> Jimmy, I hate to put pressure on you, but your closing has to be great, if for no other reason than to keep that
0: offer on the table. Wait.
5: Thanks, Lindsay. I-
0: How the hell was that necessary? What if I was like, hey, Mike, just, you know, I I know I don't need to say it, but like, you need to be good on this episode. I'd
1: apologize because (laughs) I'm not (laughs) and things have not been going well. So your analogy is flawed and inappropriate.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But it's like, what's like telling it's like telling evil Knievel, like, be careful before you jump over that ravine it's better for us if you don't crash yes yeah really you should focus on not crashing
9: probation puts him in
7: the system that means he's reporting to caseworkers. yes for a year but if we challenge pc and lose he's branded a delinquent that stays on his record for life every time he applies for a job i can win it probable cause i check the case law
0: eugene i can win it bobby all right pause it right there Right behind Eleanor, there is a big button. Don't back it up. (laughs) There's a big (laughs) button that says not. That's it. Just just the word not on a big giant button. And I'm trying to figure out what that would be, what the significance of that would be. And the only thing I can think of is possibly in relation to the Clinton impeachment at that point, that uh, maybe it was not guilty Mm-hmm. Uh, during the impeachment trial, because I can't think of any other—I—I I googled it, but nothing came up. A, oh, a button as in like you put on your shirt? Like a button you put on your shirt, like a big giant one, and it just says "not." Well, wasn't but that? But it's tacked to the board behind her.
1: Wasn't that sort of the joke? One of the like, wasn't that in on the '90s? Like, uh... oh man, I'm... we're really having a good podcast here. Not. <laughs> Wasn't that sort of a 90s thing? No, it totally was. That's my guess. Yeah, that
0: was. Yeah, interesting. Hmm. I think. Not. Put into the system. (laughs) (laughs) I can be. Sing!
4: Eugene, we have a client here found with enough marijuana to warrant an intent to distribute conviction. We've been offered probation. It would be malpractice of us to turn it down. it's right behind her there. Oh, yeah. Let us help him as his lawyers you help him as his
0: father. Hmm. I was moving, it's Eleanor. Like well, and it makes sense. Same reason doctors don't operate on their family.
5: Mr. Berluti, we'll hear from you.
0: For... It's close!
5: Ladies and gentlemen, Jimmy Berludi. Something like 10% of all high school kids have been shot at. There are more licensed gun dealers in this country than gas stations. Guns are all over. Hey, Second Amendment, red, white, and blue. The fan. Free country. Truth be told, I've thought of getting one. Protect myself in my home. My right. But this... This isn't a self-defense gun. It's a spray-fire assault weapon. Who do they make these for? Hunters? Collectors? Skeet shooters? They know who's buying these things, just like we all do. And even if they claim not to know about the black market those guns go almost directly into when they leave the shops, they can't deny knowing about all these studies that say this is what's happening. Who are we kidding? They sell gun kits to beat the background checks. They advertise resistance to fingerprints, claiming, oh, it's a moisture corrosion issue. Do you really believe that? Do they really expect you to? Guns don't kill. People do. That's a nice jingle. But when you promote, you still saying weapons, that when you is it is still a meme market with the Mengees. They go day. off in the hands of the very criminals you derive your profits from. You got to take some responsibility. That's all we're asking, ladies and gentlemen. We're not in here calling the murderers. We're just saying it's foreseeable that there's a black market for these guns. It's foreseeable where these guns will eventually end up. It's foreseeable that people will use these guns to kill. Foreseeable that people like Lisa Kimbrough will end up dead. Who's buying these things? Just a little responsibility. That's all we ask.
0: Seems
1: like such a a normal argument. Right? Seems so reasonable.
10: For the defense,
1: Kurt Every 13
10: seconds, an American gun owner uses a firearm to defend against a criminal. He didn't mention that in his closing, did he? The TAC-10, as the testimony revealed, is viable for both self-defense and recreation. He forgot to touch on that as well. My client never met the man who shot and killed Lisa Kimbrough. There is no evidence to suggest that this person ever saw Pearson Heron's advertising. There's no case here. Man uses a weapon to kill somebody, let's sue the person who made the weapon. That's what they're saying. Well then, somebody gets stabbed, let's sue the cutlery manufacturer. Drunk driver hits someone? Sue Chrysler. Man bludgeons somebody with a baseball bat. Sue Louisville slugger. Woman is poisoned. Sue the pharmaceutical company. There's a deep, deep pocket behind every instrument, isn't there? Like automobiles and baseball bats and carving knives, guns, when used as directed, are safe. The vast majority of gun owners are law-abiding people who use them safely. I agree, this case really is about responsibility. We're becoming this litigious nation where, every time a tragedy occurs, we find the deep pocket to sue.
3: Hmm.
10: Ray Brown killed Lisa Kimbrough, not Pearson Heron. Responsibility means going after the ones responsible. And not just the
0: ones with the money. Okay. Stop it right there. I am gonna tell you that was terrible strategy okay terrible strategy and i'm going to tell you why because what he did on three separate occasions was agree with jimmy well well not that remind the jury that his client has deep pockets Hmm. so that if the jury were to side with jimmy It's like, hey, if I lose, remember, we have shit tons of money, tons of money. And just highlighting that over and over and over again. Boy, that is some pretty risky strategy I would not want. It's like going into the divorce court and be like, I have a ton of money I haven't told my wife about.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, too, though, that when he was using comparable his analogies, he chose, you know... It is smart. He he didn't choose like cigarettes or things like right. that. He he chose carving knives and baseball bats. Anyway.
0: Right. Yes.
9: Mini fridge. I hope you know the bullet you <laughs> dodged. You also better know you get arrested again. This case comes alive again and you get a guilty finding which labels you a delinquent for the rest, you look at me, the rest of your life. First, you're grounded. You're grounding me at mom. Keep your mouth shut. Second, I want you at my office this afternoon. I want you to look Bobby, Rebecca, and Eleanor all in the eye and thank them for devoting the last 24 hours to you. Third, part of my anger at you comes from fear. You know, this thing has scared me like As angry as I am at you I know we gotta do something I'm signing us both up for a drug awareness program And I hope your mom will come too
0: That's uh, good parenting dad. It's real. Yeah, you <laughs> we, we said I'm the angry. exact same thing at the same time
9: But I hope you also see I love you Steve Harris. Kendall,
6: go to so your good.
9: Room. I'm not quite done here Kendall,
6: yet. go to your room. I need good to talk dad, to Good
1: dad, good actor. Some might say excellent dactor. Dadker? No, oh, forget it. I hope that got cut from my microphone too.
8: <laughs> I don't want him going to your you office. You
1: bungled a
6: dad dad joke. There. You blaming me? I don't want him there.
1: Six hundred They however uh, sorry this is making me crazy a little bit. The random shit they put in the previously ons. I get this episodes about Kendall a little bit. so we show the like the clip of him touching Lucy's ass That was the previously on. Is that to show he's a delinquent or that's just like hey find me a clip of Kendall in one of
0: the episodes. I think it was to show an escalating series of behavioral issues that are inappropriate for being 11. Okay. I think that that is very kind of you.
5: Sustained! The consultants must be worried. $600,000? Yes. I can't believe it. Doug, Susan, in my opinion, this is like an admission of blame.
4: Obviously, you think we should take it. I can't see how we can't.
8: You think so, too? Actually, no. It's just- What? I think your closing hit the mark, Jimmy. So do they, so do their consultants. And if it's a judgment for the plaintiff, it'll have to be more than 600.
0: Oh no, oh, they're gonna lose. Because go they know. reinforced how deep their pockets are.
8: $600,000 is a lot of money. Mm. I wouldn't be quick to turn it down, but my gut says... we'll get more. But
5: the judge could throw it out. Just like in the power lines case, he just... Threw it out.
8: Well, he didn't grant the directed verdict. The New York verdict didn't get thrown out.
1: I don't disagree with Lindsay's rationale. It, it scants with Keith's rationale. However, they mentioned that they're in huge debt. I know something about being in debt. If someone said, here's $600,000 mm-hmm. or zero, that is tough. I get it. Your daughter it doesn't replace your daughter. I get it. But that is tough to recommend that you don't take six
0: hundred G's. It's it is tough. It is tough. Although, look, the firm gets thirty percent. Then taxes take fifty percent of that, mm-hmm. and so it very quickly becomes one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, not six hundred. At which point, you know, you're dealing with your, it's your decision. Trying to make a statement.
4: Honey, hmm? six hundred is more than we know what to do with. Like it greedy. Because we think want going to
2: have to do with it. And if she thinks we can get one,
4: we're broke. Are you sure?
2: We started this for Lisa. Let's finish for her.
0: Yeah. This is a TV show, bitch. We don't settle. Are you sure? No. We keep
1: doing the same shit though. It feels a little bit like we've run this race before. Well,
0: I mean I guess it's what, what happens. Can you it. share?
9: Yeah. You wanna go in my office?
0: Yeah.
8: You
6: know, um wait.
0: Is, uh, I told Eugene's my lawyer wife. I could
6: handle this, but I forgot to ask whether I needed witnesses to do this.
1: She's going to
3: sue them. What?
6: To serve you with this petition. Change child custody? I don't think you've been a positive influence in Kendall's life. Oh,
9: good. I'm willing to agree with some very
6: limited supervised visitation, but that's it. You
9: want to deny me access to my own son? You
6: saw that tape? Eugene, he learned what he learned and... Maybe we should go to your office.
1: That is some bullshit.
0: Seriously.
6: I'm sorry to do this.
0: You think it's in his interest to
9: deny me joint custody?
6: I do. Look, I know what you do is important work, but to him, when you make drug dealers defendable, you make them
9: excusable. It's not that simple, Sharon. You can't be laying this on me.
6: It may yeah, be the her
0: responsibility in this?
6: But i got to go with my instinct.
0: She has primary custody, I right? I don't like Already.
6: what he's becoming around you. sorry that's some bullshit
1: you know he's like he's accepting responsibility he's saying i want to take us to counseling i want to xyz xyz trying to be a parent trying to balance all these things let's not throw away the fact that probably a sizable portion of the income that eugene makes is going towards his upbringing and so the easy answer here is to just, oh, because he tried to use you as an excuse where he learned this bullshit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, no, totally. I'm not absolving him of responsibility, but everybody you know, nobody's perfect. Well, and it doesn't, we've seen nothing to see that he's ever guided him wrong. This is like lawyer hating bullshit as usual. All right, verdict for Jimmy.
10: clerk will read the verdict.
6: On question one, was the defendant negligent in the marketing, advertising, and distribution of its product? We answer, yes. On question two, was the negligence of the defendant a proximate cause of the injuries and death? Answer. Yes. Yes. <laughs> question three, what amount of damages will fairly compensate the survivors? answer 7 million dollars. Oh! Jimmy! The court
1: has found for the plaintiff. You better get that raised, Jimmy. You better get to be a partner, Jimmy. Appeal
10: for the record. The jury is dismissed with the thanks of the court. We're
0: adjourned. And they didn't set aside the verdict. I don't know what to
5: say. Me neither. Oh!
8: Jimmy, you, you did it, you did it.
5: And the judge didn't throw it out, I didn't hear him throw it out.
8: He didn't throw it out. Oh, they said seven million? Yeah.
5: Oh, I think I'm gonna fork can you hold me up just another second?
8: <laughs> Don't throw up on me. Oh, I
5: won't do that, no. The judge didn't throw it out? He didn't throw it out. Because I didn't hear him throw
1: it out. <laughs> oh, uh, Michael Badaluco, killing it. Jimmy! Jimmy! Jimmy driving that BMW. <laughs> seven
6: million dollars? Yes, what he said. Have you talked to Lindsay? Sometimes Jimmy gets things wrong. It's seven million I, I don't believe it. Is this the first plaintiff's verdict? Second. Don't forget the New York case. He's going to want to be made partner now. He should. Uh, Eugene? He is he should.
1: Oh,
0: Eugene. going to this? I'm
6: just on curious. He's also going to make more money than I uh,
0: Ugh. Eugene.
1: Jesus. A little heavy-handedly looking at a picture of his son, but... (laughs) That's true! I don't think we needed that! (laughs) Yeah, I think we get what he's upset about, but... You know what that is? It's cheesy! Oh, hella cheesy, but we'll take it. (laughs) You know, right. I have to say, my investment in this show is such that we just celebrated as if A, it was real, and... (laughs) B, like any of that money was coming our way. Like literally nothing changes in our lives. It was still a shitty episode of this podcast. (laughs) But you know what? Jimmy got a win 20 years Uh, ago. So, so true. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, the Out of Practice Podcast, in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present... Oopsie. The Oopsies. Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff.
0: Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike. What the hell are the Oopsies? All right, it's time for our fake awards. And starting (laughs) up, with this is the, probably the most obvious fake award we've ever done on this podcast. Most
1: He made the clothes and now he can buy new clothes. It's everybody's favorite, Jimmy Berluti.
0: Jimmy Berluti cut to the rushed it. He puked up seven million dollars
1: well done sir well done if he's not made a partner with by the end of the
0: season i'm gonna be pissed we good yeah no we're gonna I, protest we you know if he doesn't we should fly to los angeles get some sandwich boards and protest outside of david e kelly's house that would be really funny 21 years ago, you didn't give a fictional
1: character a fictional job, and we're pissed. We could start an online protest. We told, oh, We should do like a... An uh, Instagram like meme fest. Yes. <laughs> get, get a hashtag Promote Jimmy trending.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hashtag Promote Jimmy in 1999. All right, here we go. Already famous cause you've been on TV. Getting a pay. Or the first entry on your IMDb. Way to go. and you're the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor on the episode.
1: You know, it's not easy playing a bad guy. It's also not easy rocking a beard when you're generally known for not having a beard. I'm well, it's because go... he had
0: six other characters in that world. He had the
1: distinction. Oh, that's true. And he might come up for an oopsie again, but you never know who else will be on the show at that portion. So I think Kurt Fuller gets my award this week.
0: Yeah, I think he did an excellent job. You know, he it is right in his wheelhouse, being the asshole. But I not only I liked his performance, but I also liked the writing for him because he did a good job. I mean, other than the emphasizing the deep pockets, his closing was terrible, mm-hmm. but previous to that, he'd done a good job. Um, but he is not my vote. My vote goes to Angenou Ellis. Yeah. She's as Sharon excellent. young, uh, who I thought was, was excellent. Um, you know, it's a, it's a really tough thing to jump into a world so fast, you know, like you're in, in mid crisis, uh, in, especially playing opposite a, a regular character on the show who's been doing this for three years at this point. I thought she did a really good job. It felt lived in, it felt real, their relationship felt real. All right, so congratulations to Kurt Fuller and Ingenue Ellis for your split fake awards. Now it's time for... You killed your podiatrist or blew the case, but you let a single tear run down your face. You're the best actor on the show.
1: I think, man, Jimmy had a great scene there at the end, and Jimmy was great the whole episode. Lindsay was great the whole episode. I thought the writing, for the most part, and the acting was really top-notch in this episode. But I think really Steve Harris stormed to the forefront as Eugene Young playing just a really terrible spot for a parent to be in. And I thought he did it with with a realistic approach, the proper stakes, and really didn't and even that last little imagery where it was a little heavy handed, he was able to kind of to play that still with, with a deft hand. So I'm going to go with Steve Harris as Eugene Young.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think it's no question, uh, his episode. And I thought the the scene that he had with Kendall at the end, where he was able to have... He, he, he was He was angry, he was frightened, and he was vulnerable all at the same time. And not only is that good parenting, it's really fine acting. Uh, so really happy to give Steve Harris some more work this season. Um, he's been, I feel like he's been a little dry. I wish we could have, uh, I, I just love seeing him work. So congratulations to Steve Harris on your best actor, which leaves us with the Tom Brady award for being Tom Brady. We all saw cowboy Tom Brady, Mm -hmm. the winner of last, uh, week's. Tom Brady, word for being Tom Brady, which you could see on our Instagram at Out of Practice Podcast. What do you think? Oh, well, this is a tough one. I had an idea earlier and I've
1: forgotten it, which really sucks. <laughs> but I'll tell you what I've been doing, Keith. I'm going to throw you a curveball here. Okay. Okay. I've been watching the XFL, which oh, is this yes. new sort of football league for people who are going through the football DTs. And what I have noticed is a considerable lack of talent at the quarterback position. That
0: does tend to happen in the upstart leagues. And I
1: thought to myself, what would be a better solution to that lack of talent than to have Tom Brady retire from the NFL and go take a minimum $60,000 a year contract to play for the XFL as their poster child And so this week, my vote will go for XFL, Tom Brady. Ooh. It also would allow us to uh, hashtag XFL and maybe
0: get somebody to follow us. Oh, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. No, I think that's uh, that's a really good idea. Of course, there were some rumors about linking Tom Brady to my New York football giants, which would be a disaster. No, thank you. Hard pass. Uh, so I think just to not put out giant Tom Brady into the world, I will go with you and say XFL Tom Brady. But this is going to be XFL 1.0 Tom Brady, oh. the WWF XFL. He, from hate 2000- me, and- he hate me, Tom Brady. He hate me, Tom Brady. So congratulations, he hate me, Tom Brady. <laughs> We got one, we got there. For your Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady.
1: You know, the Tom Brady Award for a while was starting to, like, it was starting to, the joke was starting to get a little old, but we've kept it so long that it's actually getting
0: funny again. Uh, We have David Letterman, the Tom Brady joke. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets.
1: You know, I enjoyed the episode, which is saying something because we did everything in our human and technological power to destroy it. Uh, The writing, I thought, was really good for the most part. Even the the two cases I found interesting. I thought, you know, the way we handled Eugene's son, even though we never actually saw the courtroom with it, was pretty realistic. I mean, I never had a high-powered attorney for a father, but I could see... How that conflict of interest could play out, both in your favor, you know, getting him even bypassing the probation or whatnot, but also, you know, your your child using what you do for a living and how you get bad people off sometimes as an excuse is also sort of a something I never really explored thematically, and uh, this was an this was an uh, interesting chance to do so. Even in the gun case, which I thought was really going to—I don't want to say bore me, but be redundant because we're still dealing with the same issues. David e. Kelly, for the most part, when it comes to these sort of really bold-faced, underlined issues, has a really good way of articulating the Cliff Notes version of both sides of the argument. Yeah, for yeah. you know, for a wide audience in prime time and important
0: because yeah. you don't know who's going to be flipping on ABC and learn something about an issue like that they didn't know, and it might change hearts and minds. Uh, clearly, it didn't work, mm-hmm. but I <laughs> certainly value the attempt. It also, uh,
1: for a minute I was going to say that often when it comes to these big cases, there's a bit of magical realism, like West Wingy magical realism happening where you kind of get the version you wish you could see in the world versus right. what really happens. But the truth be told is that in these smaller cases, quote unquote smaller, you know, I I don't know the actual statistics of how much money has the how many verdicts have. You know, most people settle, I would imagine. Most people would have taken right. the 600,000, clearly I would have. You know, how 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 much of this how many of these verdicts are going against these big companies? I don't really know the statistics on that. So maybe it's not so far outside the realm of realism. All that said, solid writing, great acting, great guest starring, uh, interesting issues, interesting resolution, and leaves us with a bit of a cliffhanger for one of our characters. Can't ask for right. much more. I'm going to give it seven and a half tires.
0: Seven and a half. Yeah. No, I think that's totally fair. Um, I agree with all the things you said, and I also like, it's something that I've I've always, uh, I think I've, I've mentioned before on the podcast before about the stakes. Well, actually, right, right right, with the pilot, we were talking about the stakes for children attached to a crime and how that affects your entire life and specifically children of color mm-hmm. and how, you know, how the stakes there are just tremendously high because we, you know, all the statistics saying that especially... Uh, black children are treated much older than they are By the legal system and and by all of these things What I liked about this episode Is that it actually treated those issues With the stakes they deserved mm. And Eugene talked about Just how important these things were And they all fought so hard Not thinking about the result of this particular issue But the effect that it was it's going to have On Kendall's life moving forward So I really liked how we attach the stakes to that. Um, so I, for that, it just, that boosts it another half a tire. So I'm going to give it 7.75 tires. Ooh, math with, which leaves us with, I think 7.625. You said seven and a half, right? Yep. So there you go. All right. 7.625 tires. Congratulations. Uh, good episode for the show, not as much for us. But what episode does that not apply to?
1: Keith, we haven't talked about the giant controversy that's been really confusing lately, and that is that you spell the Oopsie Awards with one P, and on every other thing that I do, including our PayPal donation link, I use two Ps. <laughs> So our current uh, that's our current dilemma. But if you'd still like to donate, you can do so at one time donation at paypal.me/ oopsie. o o p p s <laughs> y. Or you can click the support us link at the bottom of all the show notes and give us a monthly donation. Thank you founding sponsor Leon Wrights. If you want to check out our blog, you can do so at outofpracticepodcast.blogspot.com or go to any of your rating Podcast thingies of choice, and give us a rating. <laughs> join the jury, or do it on Apple Podcasts, where it actually helps us in the algorithms. It you can helps also us
0: everywhere. Yes,
1: yeah, so you can also check us out on social media, where we do not screw up nearly as much as we do on the podcast. That's true. At Out of Practice Podcast. That's, yeah, Out of yeah. Practice Podcast. And there's still like 17 verses. No, no, there's not. I did it. No, good job. Way to fill time. Ladies and gentlemen, wish me luck stitching this shit together with my magic laser sounds.
0: Go shoot somebody with laser sounds and smile.